grateful that you're here with us, uh, whether you're here with us live or you're going to join us uh, on the podcast later on. We're so grateful to have you with us. And for our friends uh, online and for everybody in the room, if you ever see me uh, sitting in this chair uh, typing on my phone, uh, I'm not texting with my girlfriend, Rhonda Jenkins, who's been Rhonda Capo for 30 years. I'm talking with the folks uh, that are online. So it's either me or Pastor Kathleen, Pastor Sylvia, Pastor Claire. So just know, I promise, I'm not playing any games up here when I'm on my phone. And to all our friends that are in the room, uh, good morning, y'all. We're so grateful that you're here with us uh, to be with our promise-keeping, loving God that we have, our God of mercy and love, and this kingdom that we're going to learn more about today with Pastor Scott reminds us of the goodness of God's love each and every day. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Hope you guys are well. Um, last week, we, we've been talking, we've been in a series called Imagine, and last week we started to uh, have a conversation around Imagine the Kingdom, and uh, we stopped kind of in the middle of it, so we're going to continue on with that. I'll try to catch you up. If you weren't here last week, uh, no worries. You, I, I'll give you the info that you need to connect with what we already have talked about. Um, but I would encourage you maybe to check out last week's service and uh, get the rest of what we won't be talking about here today. Anyway, in Mark uh, chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, this is kind of where we stopped off or one of the places. Uh, the scripture says this. So this is the beginning of the Gospels, which is translated into good news. Everyone say good news. Good news. So we're talking about the good news of the kingdom, the good news of God's kingdom, the good news that Jesus came to the earth to proclaim, and it's part of our responsibility to proclaim it as well. Anyway, Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15 says, after John, speaking of John, the Baptist was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming good news proclaiming good news. And we talked about, so when we read that, a lot of us might think that that meant that Jesus was just like, um, this was all about preaching, which uh, it was uh, a way that I'm sure he communicated, uh, but it was really more, if we could wrap our arms around the fact that he was proclaiming the news. And it, it was good news. It was news that nobody had ever really heard in the way that Jesus started to proclaim it. So Jesus was like the news station, and that was how news was proclaimed, no matter what the news was, as people would walk the countryside and proclaim news, right? So Jesus uh, was proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Everyone say, come near. So what's important to understand is the kingdom of God didn't start when Jesus showed up. The kingdom of God always has been. But what Jesus is saying here is he was manifesting the kingdom of God. He was bringing it near to men and women and children, to all of us. He says, repent and believe the good news. What good news? It's the good news of the kingdom of God. So a couple of terms that we defined last week, we talked about, and this is kind of a Dallas Willard definition. The first term was uh, God's kingdom, because this isn't language that we're necessarily used to. 
um, this kingdom language, so uh, trying to help us understand a little bit. So God's kingdom, simply put, is the range of God's effective will. In other words, wherever God, uh, wherever God's will is being done on earth, that's where God's kingdom is showing up. In other words, more simply put, where what God wants done is done. That's where God's kingdom is, okay? So, and we talked about, you might hear, or maybe you've even said, you know, in craziness, sometimes people will say, well, at least I know God's in control. And that's somewhat true and not all true uh, because of the second part of this, and that is that we all have a kingdom. And that was God's choice, and that just simply means where the range of our effective will uh, it take, comes into play. In other words, God gives us a choice to do with our life what we want to do. We can either put it in line with God's kingdom, in alignment with God's kingdom, or we live on our own, in our own terms. And people do that. Maybe people in this room or maybe people watching online, you're doing that today. And um, we'll talk a little bit about what I would say is the concern with living that way. I, I did that for the first 18 years of my life, and I cashed that in because I just felt like I was the problem. So I needed to uh, change. I needed some help. So I had to submit my life to God's kingdom. Make some sense? Anyway, getting back to this, God's in control. God's in control. Remember, his kingdom is wherever his will is done. So don't blame God for any of the mess. Does that make sense? Because we have this ability by God's beautiful wanting a relationship with us. He gives us the ability to run our own kingdom if we want. He is not going to force you into anything. It is, it is, uh, it is God's good desire to give you choice, to give you and I the ability to make our own decisions. And sometimes they're not in alignment with God's kingdom. Would you say that's true? So that's what's so powerful, like when we were praying what we, some of us call the Our Father or the Lord's Prayer earlier when we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What we're saying is, God, let your kingdom, it's, a, it's an invitation to allow God's kingdom to reign in our life. That's what it is. It's a proclamation where you say, I am partnering up with the kingdom of God. I, I bring my life into alignment with that. We talked last week about how Jesus really didn't call us simply to give, make a decision for Christ, but he really wants a relationship. We're called to be. Jesus, what he, what he talks about constantly when you read through the Gospels, is he uses this term disciple. And it's an interchangeable term that could be used with apprentice. And we talked about what an apprentice is. And this apprenticing is maybe some of you have been an intern. Maybe some of you have been an apprentice. And you kind of follow somebody around. And they teach you what to do. And in the same way, that's the process that someone that gives their life to Christ, you make a decision, you come into a life for Christ, but then you begin this apprenticeship process that lasts the rest of your life. Luke 6.40 puts it this way, Jesus speaking, he says, A disciple is not above the teacher, or think of it as an apprentice, or a Christ follower is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully qualified will be like the teacher. 
So we're created in God's image, and we're becoming more, that's the invitation, to apprentice, to become more like Jesus. Now, God gave you your unique life to live on earth, so, you know, you're not going to be walking in sandals through the the hillside uh, of the Middle East, probably, right? But you have your life, and you have been created in God's image and likeness. He gives you all of these gifts and tools. We talked about that last week, and now it's your turn and my turn to have the opportunity to become, give our life into this kingdom invitation. Now, we stopped in the middle of this question, what news are you giving most attention or energy to? That's where we kind of stopped last week, and we talked about simply, what are you being apprenticed by? What is mentoring you? And we talked about all the different voices in the world and how it's so easy in the chaos, especially Uh, Right now, it's so easy to, uh, without even really realizing it, to become apprenticed by the voices of the world. even, Even what you might think are good voices... But what happens is you become to be, you, you, if you're not careful, you can be mentored by voices that are not in line with what Jesus is inviting us to be. So we want to be apprentices of Jesus, amen? This is why when we talk about things like retreats and we talk about the importance of prayer, listen, just do the simple math. This is the, one of the greatest challenges of the church today, especially in the West, is you and I will be in this room maybe for an hour and a half, or you might be online for an hour and a half, hour and 15 minutes, whatever, and then we will go back to our lives, or we'll stay in our lives, but we'll separate from this moment, which seems very much like a discipleship moment, right? But we walk out of this room, and we have, we are opened up to all sorts of things, right? And if we're not very intentional about things like spiritual disciplines, Trust me, an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and a half on a Sunday is not going to help us be mentored by Jesus. We need spiritual friendships. We need spiritual groups. We need to be people of prayer. We need to be accepting things like maybe journaling is something that's important to you. You need solitude and silence. You need to have time where you're just meditating on God's will. When you're at work, you need to be thinking about the reality of you are a representation of the kingdom of God when you're working at the bank or when you're working at the doctor's office or hospital or when you're out in the field as a farmer or uh, when you're just serving in the community, whatever it might be, wherever you're serving, it is an opportunity to be mentored by Jesus. Make sense? So in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, it says, And Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Everyone say, good news of the kingdom. Curing every disease, every sickness among the people. So his name spread throughout Syria. And then this scripture goes on, and right out of this, it goes into the Beatitudes. So you hear this term, and it gets repeated multiplied times over in the, in the Gospels, and it gets actually talked about beyond in the epistles, this term of proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. 
proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Well, what is it? Well, right out of this, one of the richest spots of proclamation of the kingdom news is right after this, Jesus begins, he goes on a hillside, and he gives one of the most profound talks on what the kingdom of God, the good news of God's kingdom looks like. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It starts with the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, right? Blessed are the pure in heart. And it goes through these different things. And then he talks about things like, and it is so anti-world kingdom. Like, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. It was, it was totally upside down thinking. And that's the good news of the kingdom. Because the good news of the kingdom is quite not worldly. It is otherworldly. It's the kingdom. It's not, it's not dictated by culture. It's the, it's the, king, it's the culture of the kingdom. And he talks about how people that are outcasts are blessed. Like everything that everyone was thinking and everything that probably all of us think sometimes. The poor in spirit are blessed. That's the good news. What it is, is everyone's welcome. This kingdom's available to everyone and all of your stereotypical typical thinking and how the world has tried to mentor us and apprentice us into thinking, for instance, like, if you have a lot of money, you're blessed. Well, maybe not. You could be. But I know some really wealthy people that don't seem so blessed. And maybe you've met some of those folks, too. So what Jesus is saying is there is something richer going on here. So anyway, when it comes to this issue of apprenticing, just think about it in these terms. Shouldn't it be that as Christ followers, we should read and live and try to embody the ways and the words of Jesus at least as much as we embody or try to live into some of these other voices we listen to? Maybe it's somebody on the news. Maybe it's a social commentator. Maybe it's an author, a celebrity, a politician. Maybe it's a trend. See, if we're not careful, the result or the symptom that we begin to see of in, improper alignment with God's kingdom, in other words, either getting aligned just simply with our own kingdom that's detached from God's kingdom, or we align with the kingdom of this world, and we allow that to be the teacher and the mentor in our lives, is it's all around us. We're all watching it. I saw an article uh, just the other day. It was actually sent to me, and it was from um, Time Magazine. I just, I just want to read a couple of sentences, because this is what happens when we don't align ourselves with God's desire in our life. This is what happens if I can find it. It'll sound familiar to you. 
if I can get to it so it'll sound familiar. Here it is, I'm sorry. The title of the article, it's in time, Why Everyone is So Rude Right Now. September 2021 was a bad month for manners. On the 21st, a woman pulled a gun on the servers at a Philadelphia fast food restaurant when they asked her to order online. On the 16th, several women from Texas pummeled a hostess at New York City family-style restaurant. A few days prior to that, a Connecticut mother was investigated for slapping an elementary school bus driver. The same week, a California woman was charged with felony assault for attacking a Southwest Airline flight attendant and dislodging some of her teeth. Re-entry into a polite society is proving to be a little bumpy. Of course, it's the people that have lost their ever-loving mind incidents that make the news, but they're also a reflection of a deeper trend. Americans appear to have forgotten the niceties, especially those whose job it is to assist them. Lawyers are reporting ruder clients, restaurants reporting ruder clients, blah, 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 right? I could go on. It's a long article. There's plenty to write about, isn't there? And, and the reality of the turmoil is just, it's symptomatic of if, if our lives aren't in alignment with God's kingdom, this is what happens when our apple cart gets tipped over. We, we start freaking out. And we're angry, and we're full of fear, and we're grasping. But God has a different way. So that's why Jesus starts to say these things like, bless those who curse you. We were talking about this last week, like, you know, to pray for your enemies. Bless those who curse you. I mean, at a certain point, you begin to feel like Jesus would be good if we could just bless those who bug us. I mean, that would be a big enough move in the right direction, right? Bless those who curse you. It's a different kingdom. This is not... And listen, the majority of people in the United States say they're Christ followers. So why is all this so prevalent? Because we need to be more kingdom-minded people. Now, John says here to repent and believe the good news of the kingdom. Or Jesus says that, I'm sorry. Jesus says to repent and believe the good news of the kingdom, although John said the same thing. And that word repent there, a lot of you have heard it just to mean turn around, but what it more broadly means is to think about what you think about. Consider what is going on in your interiority and turn from that and align to the kingdom of Jesus. Let me say it again. To repent is to think about what you think about, consider what is going on in your interiority, and turn from that and then align, get into alignment with God's kingdom, the, the kingdom of Jesus. The fear, the anger, the jealousy, the covetousness, the grasping. Repent, Jesus said and believe. So basically the description there is this is how we get saved, right? And to be saved is not just an event. To be saved isn't a part of our apprenticeship. It's part of our apprenticeship. To be saved is to be caught up in what Christ is doing on the earth and in you. 
When I say that I'm saved, I'm being caught up in what Jesus is continuously doing. It's the kingdom of God coming forth in my life. Repent and believe the good news of the kingdom. Now, we're, none of us are perfect at this, right? This last week, I got to tell you, how, what about the weight gain over the last 20 months? Some of you look fabulous. But I am in the camp, what do they call it when a kid goes off to college? It's like the freshman 15, right? And now we got the COVID-19. It's a different kind of 19, right? And I figured it out. I figured it out this week. For me, the COVID-19 weight gain is all about eating humble pie. I am like gorging on humble pie. I was doing a car deal with this last couple weeks and working on it and um, you know I, I my friend is the guy I was working with one of my friends and he's a Christ follower and at one point in the conversation I found myself unhappy with the details of the deal I know this doesn't happen to any of you but this is how I gain weight humble pie anyway I, I sent this email and I was not, I had stuff going on in my interiority. And he asked, he said, do you have any other thoughts? And it's like, now you're going to get it. And I sent it to him. And um, anyway, the deal happens, right? He doesn't say anything. And I am like, I am so knowing that I need to repent. Like, I felt really bad. And God was not giving up on me. And um, anyway, so I called him a couple days later and I said, hey, you know, I appreciate all the work you've been doing on this and thanks for doing it. I said, but I got to tell you, I am so sorry. And I said, and if you read my email to anybody else, please let me know who that is because I want to say sorry to them too because I'm pretty certain that he had because that was part of the conversation. Anyway, he started laughing. Again, he's a Christian. He said, Please don't tell me you're sorry because then that's going to hold me accountable to start saying I'm sorry for about a hundred things. <laughs> isn't that interesting? And I laughed with him, but it's true about us, isn't it? It's like don't, you know, and I wonder if we're not repenting enough because we're not examining and allowing the Holy Spirit to examine our life enough. So anyway, it was really something. So Claire, Claire got intrigued. I told her about it. She was intrigued, and she said, you've got to, you've got to read this email to me. Like, I want to hear it. This is going to be epic. So I read it, and she starts laughing at me. And she said, that just sounds like a kind person asking good questions. And I said, well, I don't know what it sounded like out there, but I know what was going on in me. I was, oh, and he must have gotten at least enough of the message because he did say, you're forgiven. She laughed at me and said, you're not a big enough sinner, which isn't true. (laughs) But we have to give God space, right? In Genesis, when it talks about us taking dominion, you might remember that. In, in Genesis chapter 1, it's not on the slides, but let me just read this portion. Okay, God blessed them, Adam and Eve, right? And God says to them and says to you and I, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion 
That's kingdom language, right? Have dominion over the fish of the sea, and then he goes on and on. And then a couple of verses later, it says, And God saw everything that he had made. Indeed, it was very good. And there was evening, there was morning. It was the sixth day. God gave you and I dominion, a kingdom. It's a kingdom term. But if we're not understanding what the kingdom terms mean, we can get into trouble. When it says to take dominion, it's a stewardship term. You and I are responsible to steward the life we've been given. To steward, as a community of faith, the church we're part of. The region we live in. That's the gift that God has given to no other creature on the planet, just humans. I want to partner with you in this kingdom endeavor to take dominion, to be the kind of people that are the kind of people that bring God's goodness to the earth. I certainly don't have time to get into the last question that I want to talk about. So maybe we'll just do that next week. Or maybe, yeah. But I want you to write down three things. And I want you to just meditate on these are three questions. I'm not going to explain anything about them. I just want you to write these down. They're just short. Or you can put them in your phone or something. Or you can look at them later online. These three things I want you to consider because we're going to talk about this with the overarching question that we will have. Here's the overarching question first. Let me give you that. That is on our, on our outline. How do you feel about inviting people to the kind of Christian life you are living? Not to live your life, but the kind of Christian life you are living. Now, I want you to consider that this week without judgment. We'll talk about it next week. How do you feel about that? All right, and then there's these three really quick questions, and I want you to just begin to ruminate with them. The first one is, what is real? What is the most real thing in your life and mine? What is real? It's a question you ask yourself all the time, but I want you to think about it in light of God's kingdom work in your life. The second thing is, I want you to consider who is well off. Who is well off? What does a well-off person, a person that is doing well, what does their life, what is the good life? I want you to think about that this week, or maybe even talk with your friends about it. And then the third one is who is a good person? If you were to define who a good person was, who is that? What makes up a good person? And we're going to talk about that next week because those are really, really, that's at the core of a kingdom conversation. What is real? What's the good life? And how do you become a good person? Or what is a good person? What does that look like? I was, um, I'll close it with this. I was in Haiti several years ago. And um, these conversations to me can get, uh, they're big conversations, right? Because we can be really hard on ourselves. Um, but it's important for us to do self-examination and allow the Holy Spirit to examine our life, right? I was in uh, Haiti several years ago, and one of the guys on the trip with us was Chuck. Some of you remember Chuck. He used to be a part of the church. He's a beautiful man. 
and Chuck uh, was a, is a, he owns an electrical business. So he and I were walking through an area, um, and of course, if you, if you know much about Haiti, you know that most of Haiti, uh, the electricity that they have is run on generators and things like that, but there is a little bit of infrastructure, very little bit of infrastructure. And the neighborhood that we were in, he looked and he saw that there were some, lot, there were some you know, overhead lines, and he's like, why don't these people hook up the lines? And I said, well, that's a good question. And it's the same question that I think God is asking us. When he says things like, you are the light of the world, it's like, well, you've got to hook up to the line. You've got to hook up to the power source in order to live the kind of kingdom life that we all want to live. I haven't, I haven't ever heard anybody say they want to live a bad life or they want to be a horrible person but you got to hook up. And it's amazing because the power lines are always there. The accessibility to God's kingdom is always there for all of us, but we got to make sure we're tied into it. So Lord, even today I pray for all of us that we would be open to the connection of your Spirit's power in our life. Thank you for the times that you've shown us when we've moved out of your kingdom will for our lives and you've helped us come back in. Help us to live the, the spiritual disciplines and rhythms in our life that will let us live into this life you've called us to, this beautiful kingdom life, to take dominion, to walk into our workplace or our school place of employment, to walk into our neighborhoods and our downtown areas and know that you have invited us to take dominion, to steward well, that we are your kingdom presence. Help us, God. We open ourselves even now afresh to the connection to your spirit. And we commit to you, God. We commit to you that we will be open to your kingdom work in our lives. And we thank you that you are allowing us to be a part of this phenomenal journey. And we ask for your empowerment in the wonderful name of Jesus. go today before Charles blesses us. Let us think upon the three questions that Pastor Scott gave to us. And let's sing about the kingdom. Let's sing about the goodness of God. Whether we are at the highest point or lowest point of our lives, God is with us. God is growing us. God is changing us. Oh, how long have I chased rivers? 
So as we listen to this message today, um, it's really uh, an excellent reminder for all of us. If we were to right now break down into small groups, I think we'd all have a lot to say and a lot to contribute in those groups because of the richness of of what we've heard today. And I'd just like to uh, uh, review, if you will, uh, that there are a couple of things that stood out to me, and that's the first thing is that we are apprentices. That's kind of exciting because if if we consider that in our lives, it's exciting that we are readying ourselves to learn more of what God wants for each one of us. And then the uh, question, what are we giving our attention, our, our most attention to in our lives? So let's not forget through each day, this coming week as we leave, the three items that we are to consider. First one being what is real, what is real to us. Because there's so much now can all agree with that it is trying to pull us away from the center of Christ in our lives. And it's really easy to be caught up in that. We need to remember that we have the joy and the peace that only Christ can give that not only counteracts what we're experiencing, but can overwhelm what we're experiencing. Next one is who is well off or who do we think has a good life according to us? And the third one, just in review, is who do we consider a good person? God considers everyone in this room a good person. Actually, Scripture says he considers all of us a righteous person. So as we leave today, let's consider those things. Let's carry it through until we meet again next week. Are we all in agreement? Amen. One other point I'd like to make, or one other announcement I would like to make, and you're going to get get really excited about this, is that um, we have a treat as you leave the building. If you look to the east, you'll see a table by the stairs going up to the education wing that has custom-made donuts for each and every one of you. And those are by, um, what's, what's Sophia, the name of her bakery? Inspire Bakery. And that's Sophia Cazell. And she worked very hard to get these donuts prepared for all of us. So God bless you. Be good. See you next week.